Now, if you were paying attention to some of the words that we sung, you would, well, you would have some questions this morning. You would say, what kind of theology were you talking about, Andrew, that were in those songs? What kind of message from the Bible should we pay attention to? And I'm actually going to point you to the strangest line that we sang this morning. Uh, It goes back to a song that was written in 1739 by a man named Charles Wesley. Charles and John Wesley really were the, the founders of the Methodist movement. And it was just one year after Charles decides to surrender his life to Jesus and start a relationship with God that he writes this song, and he calls it the Hymn for Christmas Day, as it was originally written. It was originally written as, Hark the Welkin sounds in heaven ring, or something like that. There, was, there were these strange old English uh, words, and then it wasn't a very good tune. It was rich theology, and his goal was to teach the, the gospel through this Christmas song, but it was slow, and it drug, and people didn't understand, even then, some of the old English in 1739. So it was George Whitfield in the 1750s, great theologian, that said, you know, we could tweak this up a little bit. We make a little hark the herald angels sing. And, and so then that became that first line. Then in the 1800s, Felix Mendelssohn's music inspired and was put together with this, and we have what we sing today, one of the most famous Christmas carols ever. And do you know that for a time that it was illegal in England to even sing Christmas carols? And so this is just coming out of that time. It's legal, now we can, we can write about who Jesus is. In the third verse of this song, you sang just a few minutes ago, Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace, hail the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Some of you are thinking, I didn't know Jesus grew some wings. What is this about? Do you ever think that when you read this? Well, I'm going to explain to you where this comes from. Because it's not just a 1700s thing. It's a Micah 4 verse 2 thing. Micah 4 2 says this, But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. And what will happen to you? Will you receive this healing? And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. There is a joyfulness in healing that happens because of the wings of this Messiah that is foretold. Wings. You're still tripped up on that, aren't you? So am I. So these are my wings. This is a prayer shawl, a talit. And these are what they would refer to as wings. In fact, depending upon who you were, the longer the wings, the more impressive you were as a teacher. And it was said that you would carry authority with these wings. And this was something that was a reminder of the Shema, and you would hold on to the knots, and you'd, you'd rehearse, our God is one. Hear, O Israel. And so Jesus, who is walking through the crowd, I'm going to read from Mark 5. 
He's walking through the crowd because someone has come to him and said, um, my little daughter is dying. Will you please come here, put your hands on her and she'll live. This is incredible faith by Jairus. But while he's on the way, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Jesus is a rock star. Everybody wants to, uh, to touch him. They want to be close to him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. This is a desperate woman who's looking for healing and she's, and there she is. And if you've got an issue of, of blood in this, in this way, she wouldn't be able to go to the synagogue and worship with others. She would be on the outside of social circles looking in. She didn't just need a physical healing, although she did need a physical healing. She needed emotional, social, spiritual healing as well. She needed to be reconnected to God in worship and others. And it says, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his wings, his cloak, the edge of his garment, the hem of his garment. Because she thought, if I touch his clothes, I will be healed. Now, this isn't the only time we see people trying to touch Jesus and get healing. We see this actually in, in Mark 6 as well, where it says um, people were looking to try to touch Jesus. And so there was this idea, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, this faith that says, if I just can touch that, then I will be healed by him, for he is the Messiah, the one that has come that he might bring healing and that you might leap like a calf released from the stall. So immediately, he, she touches the hem of his garment. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. She felt in her body and she was freed from her suffering. She spent all of her money, all of her time. She's gone to all of the world's suggestions and solutions and none of them have satisfied. And yet, she comes to Jesus and one touch, there is a powerful transformation at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? You, you see people crowded around you, his disciples asked. And yet you asked, who touched me? We know from Luke's parallel account of this that it's Peter who says that. Of course it is. Jesus, of course you're touched. Everybody's around you. Let's get on with it. We got a dead girl on the other side. We got to make it happen. Well, she ends up dying, but he raises her from the dead. Spoiler alert. So, who touched me? Jesus asked. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. This is that awkward moment where everything's quiet and he's just waiting like a third grade teacher. Like, I'll just wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. I mean, he's not ticked. He's just waiting. And why is he waiting? He's waiting because he wants the this testimony to be heard. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. We see in another parallel account that she, like, basically she takes a bunch of time. Like, well, then, then I go to the doctors and I did this and I did that. Jesus doesn't stop her from telling the whole story. That's why we know the whole story. Why? Because he wants the story to be known. When he moves, he wants you to tell others about it. He doesn't want it to be the best kept secret ever. And he, and he said to her, daughter, 
Your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And so here is this woman who is desperate. She's tried everything that the world has and nothing satisfied. Nothing healed her. She's taken all the medicine. She's done all the things. And yet she's in a desperate place. And I think many in our world are the same way. Totally desperate for a touch from the Messiah, the one who can make things whole. And yet, we go running after all of the world's solutions, and somehow we still feel empty, unsatisfied, unhealed, and desperate. And as I was praying about how to spend just a few minutes talking from God's word this morning, this was what God kept speaking to me for the last three weeks. Talk about the fact that I am the one who heals. And perhaps if you do all of that awkward, like here's my Christmas list and here's what I want, my guess is that being physically healed didn't make the list. But I wonder if it should have. I wonder if Maybe the gift you're going to leave the service with today is a gift of healing. And I think some of you would think, oh, isn't that nice? Oh, listen to him. Bless his heart. God doesn't lead us to do this if he's not going to move. It's not on my heart for three weeks because God's not going to move and and touch some buddies. And so here's the deal. We're going to sing this song. It's a little song called Healer. It's a worship song. And I want to invite you to sing it with us. Deanne's going to come and worship the Lord through sign language as well. But as we sing this song, whether you know the song or not, would you just rehearse the words and begin to, the Holy Spirit to begin to convince you that these are actually true words about who God is and that his desire is to heal. And perhaps you might be opening up your heart and your mind to receive healing this morning. Now, no one's gonna embarrass you this morning, but I will tell you after we sing this song, I'll ask anybody who wants prayer for healing to stand. And I'm just gonna pray one prayer for everybody at the same time. Nobody's gonna ask you questions, interview you, make you feel silly. But perhaps for you, just standing up will be your act of faith to say, yes, God, I need your help. Some of you have been contending for a healing. You've been asking God to move in a certain area of your life, but you haven't seen it happen yet. And one of the things that we've learned is that we keep asking, we keep seeking, we keep knocking. And oftentimes it's after a time where we've really gone after it in prayer that we see God move. It's not because we like convinced him. Finally, we had enough people praying about it. Somehow God needed to be convinced. God's timing is not our timing, but we will ask our good heavenly father for good gifts because he died to give them. Mm -hmm.